You're listening to The Real Well Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. Our guest today has found many, many ways to live his many, many dreams, and he's here on The Real Well Show to tell us how he's done it. I'm Kathy Fetke, and welcome. Jamie Bianchini has been a passionate social entrepreneur for over 20 years, starting with the epic 81-country intercultural tandem bicycle expedition called Peace Peddlers. He wrote a book about his journeys. It's definitely worth the read. And he continues to choose a very exciting life and is going to tell us how he's doing it. Jamie, welcome to The Real Well Show. Good to be back. <laughs> you have a really inspiring story. So let's go back to the beginning when you were sitting in a cubicle in San Jose, California, working a job you didn't love, but you had a little picture on the, on, on in your cubicle of your dream. What was that? Uh, it was a big map of the world that I really wanted to go and travel and explore. And I had a, a picture of a tandem bike and I envisioned riding this tandem bike around the world through 80 countries, picking up strangers on the back seat in a gesture of peace and friendship between total strangers. Uh, it was a wild dream that I envisioned called peace peddlers and that I was de really determined to do. Now, was your dream originally just to ride your bike around the world or did it include just meeting people and giving them a ride on a tandem bike? Yeah, I mean, it was, I, I always dreamed to, to, to go around the world uh, and I love riding a bike. So I kind of put the two together and, and little by little, it kind of morphed as I started to look for ways to, to give back in the world to taking a tandem bicycle and, and then actually having it, there be some purpose to it besides just riding a bike and just traveling. Yeah, so I remember stories of where you were riding your bike through Africa, and some some people had never seen a bike, let alone gone on one. And you would ride people from village to village. Yeah, yeah, I was it was I was able to realize the dream, and people who had never seen a bike and been on a bike were able to ride and and kind of break down a lot of the the, the barriers that people thought of, of connecting with someone from, from the United States or a white person, for example, and then people never even seen one and much less been on a bike. So, uh, yeah, I ended up riding with over a thousand people, uh, from, from all walks of walks of life around the world. It was, it was epic. And while you were there, it turned into a charitable, uh, vision. It didn't start again. It didn't start that way. It was the idea of meeting people around the world and, and, uh, letting them ride on your bike. But then it became something bigger. Yeah. What happened was like being on a bicycle, you're in the most vulnerable situation possible, right? I don't have a, I don't have a shell of a car or a bus around me. Um, I'm completely vulnerable. And there were times where I was lost, sick, scared, alone. And every single time people, total strangers would come out of nowhere and, and help me. And the compassion of total strangers over and over, year after year, day after day, inspired me, something inside me to express and show my compassion uh, to others. And so I just started to look for opportunities that I could be of service with the skills and gifts that I was given. And little by little, that turned into all sorts of just amazing things with just the intention to be of service. Yeah. So like, I know you helped babies with malaria that, you know, were really struggling. How, how did you do that? Um, I, 
I knew I was traveling through a lot of, of cultures that, that malaria was killing over a million people a year in Africa alone. So I got partnerships with, did a partnership with Novartis to distribute malaria medication out to remote villages, um, was able to, um, build a school for AIDS orphans and the needy in, in Uganda, another one in Rwanda, and, and just really was allowing myself to be a vehicle of just somebody with that would look for opportunities to be of service and just find, find creative ways to fill them. So I think there's a lot of people that would love to have this dream come true as well. How did you fund it? How did you get yourself out of the cubicle? Well, this is probably the coolest part of the story. Um, you know, one was, you know, I got some corporate sponsors and a lot of the corporate sponsors were really generous. We had Panasonic and a lot of the bike companies and, uh, all those guys were able to give me in-kind donations, which is pretty common way to support companies is supporting them with in-kind donations. Um, but nobody was really able to, to, to donate cash. Like I, I needed cash to fund the trip and I was saving some money, but I needed like long-term recurring cash to fund the trip. And one sponsor, potential sponsor said, we'd love to do this, but we don't have any cash. What else can we do to support you? We want to help you realize your vision. Our whole team wants to support you. Um, and I said, well, what if you signed over your, your internet service, your phone service, your conferencing services, and all your technology services over to me as your partner? And then those, those technology providers will pay me every month, month after month, year after year. And he said, well, if it's not going to cost any more, why, why wouldn't I do that? That meant that's a no brainer. So he signed over, he basically took the same services, the internet, the, the tech, various technology services and signed those same services over to me. And while I was traveling, I was able to have recurring amount of, of donations come into us paid for by these technology providers. And as, as that company grew from 15 to almost 500 people, that amount of money, it kept growing. And so I was able to fund the most majority of the ride with nothing more than the expenses that that company had to pay anyways. Amazing. Okay. <laughs> well, eventually you found yourself a wife. <laughs> yeah. And in the European part of the, of the trip, right? Was she somebody who just wanted to ride along with you? Um, I met Christina Axi in Argentina. She's from Barcelona. I was in Argentina at the end of my ride and I'd done seven years and about 70, 70 countries or so. And we met, she came on the back of my bike for a short ride and she just stayed on for about 20 days and, uh, rode with, uh, you know, just the same pair of underwear, two pairs of underwears and two pairs of shirts. And I was able to stay on for 20 days with that. So that was a, a sign that she was a keeper there. Um, and, <laughs> And then she ended up staying on and coming back on again, uh, all the way through Paraguay and then went back to her, her base camp in Brazil, then came back again to Chile and Peru, uh, Ecuador and Colombia. And, uh, we ended up conceiving our first child at somewhere in Ecuador and, uh, we're, we're pregnant with our first child in by, by, by Colombia. Wow. Does that child have a, a passport from there? <laughs> no, he has a passport from Spain in the U.S. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So at some point, uh, once your family grew, you have three children now, you came back to the yeah. U.S. So what happened next? 
Uh, we came back to the U.S. I started a couple different businesses, re really kind of have dedicated myself to the kind of social entrepreneurship and businesses as a force for good, just based on everything I experienced out in the world. And, and so I started a B Corp uh, in, um, in 2015 called Ludella. It was the world's first candle uh, that had um, a, a mission behind it to, to, to bring books to underserved communities via libraries. And I sold that company in 2019. And then since then COVID hit in 2020, and when COVID hit, my wife and I decided to start another B Corp, which is called Purpose and Expenses, uh, where we're using the same model that I used when I funded that trip around the world that helped create a lot of impact out in the world, which was uh, helping companies to use their expenses to help create impact, turn expenses that you have to pay anyways, whether it be for email expenses or whether it be for internet or phone and all these various expenses that companies have to pay and turn those into recurring impact and recurring donations to nonprofits. So we've had that company going uh, for a little while now uh, with uh, about six clients now, and now we're just scaling that up right now. And it's, it's a very exciting ride. And Real Wealth was one of your test companies. We're, we're yeah. proud to say we've been a part of your, your startup. Um, why don't you tell us what you've done for Real Wealth? Yeah, so Real Wealth, fortunately, was our pilot customer where we came up. We said, okay, we have, we, we've got this proof of concept that we tested out while I was traveling around the world, but what if, how, do, how would it work in a real company? So Real Wealth being Kathy and Rich were willing to help us look at first, we looked at where, where are you spending money? Like every business spends money on operating expenses. Technology is a big bucket of expense for many companies, including uh, telecommunications, like your phone, your internet. Your, um, your conferencing, your email, your DocuSign, uh, all these different areas that you spend money to operate your business. So little by little with your company, we started with the uh, telephone service and we we're able to go in and look at your telephone service, save you a nice chunk of money on, on the service, but also turn it into a recurring donation. So every time you guys are paying money for the expense you have to have to, to communicate with your customers and your team, uh, it's actually creating a recurring donation to Operation Smile. Uh, and so we created a $500 recurring donation under nothing more than those expenses. So we did the same thing with, with your uh, webinar service that you use to, to broadcast all your webinars. That creates a recurring donation. So every, every webinar, every phone call, now every email that you send uh, is, is now purpose-powered. And now we're doing your, your DocuSign and your, um, I believe, your uh, QuickBooks as well. So going little by little and looking for where there's opportunities where a company is spending money and find a way to take a percentage of that and have a percentage go to the charity of your choice. Yeah, very cool. We're, we're excited about what what you've done to help us contribute more. We do already set aside, you know, funds from our profits to, to fund right. for different charities, but to be able to just take normal business expenses and, and have a portion of that go, uh, to the, to operation smile, which is just changing so many lives. It's, we really for appreciate sure. you. Uh, all right. Well, let's talk a little bit about real estate because it was a few years ago, you were kind of wondering where you should buy and mm -hmm. uh, it was time to settle down. You were looking at Tahoe, um, I think maybe even Southern California and you ended up in Oregon. So you, you kind of lucked out. You did it right before. I mean, it's been booming there for a while, but you got there right before it really boomed recently. Didn't you? 
Yeah, yeah, we did get very blessed uh, to get our health. In fact, we signed our our for our first home. We were definitely vagabonds. We signed for our first home uh, on the day that COVID locked down. On, on March 20th in 2020. So we signed with masks on and gloves and, and we had to move houses with no movers because we couldn't find movers. And uh, so our kids had bloody fingers and we were trying to move into our new house <laughs> that way. But yeah, we we're very fortunate to get in when we did. Wow. Amazing. Wow. Uh, and, and when you travel, you've been able to maximize that too. And you um, put it on short-term rental when you're traveling, right? We do. We're very blessed. In fact, right now it's in the short term rental because my family's out traveling and I'm kind of in a, in a, a bit of a travel mode myself. So, uh, yeah, it's, it funds our travel, uh, being able to have a short term rental, uh, permit with the house, uh, so we can go out and enjoy without, without hitting the family budget too much. What's it like to rent out your home as a short-term rental? I, I haven't done that. It scares me a little bit, but what's it like to have other people in your house? Because I think that's really cool that it can fund all your travel. Yeah. Um, for us, like I, I've done a lot of traveling and lived in people's homes before. And uh, Christina has done a lot of traveling and lived in people's homes. We've had people, we, we, have a, we have a different relationship with our things, so to speak, right? And our relationship with, with material things in general. Uh, and our space as well. So we, we've always been, we've always had couch surfers come into our place. We've always opened up our house to home exchange. So we've always been really open and flexible with people coming into our home. So for us, it's unlike a lot of people, I think we, we don't have any, that many barriers. We leave all, I leave my bikes out for people to play with. We leave all of our kids' toys and anyone can break, is, is welcome to use whatever they want. Obviously we clean everything when they come back. We have a cleaning crew and they clean, we clean the sheets and we come back and it's all clean. And as far as I'm concerned, people had a great time because they had the experience of being like a guest not like a typical Airbnb is kind of cold. That's a bit, you know, you've got your cheap utensils and you've got no spices, you know, amenities. Our house is like everything. It's like all the spices are there and all the cookware is overflowing and toys are everywhere. But, I mean, they're, they're, but they're available to play with. Like you're at someone's house and you can play with anything you want. You know, you can't go in our closets to play with our toys and play dress up. <laughs> <laughs> do you lock your closets or do you just, we actually don't lock it. We, we have a locking area for some valuables. We don't lock our closets. You know, we figure if someone wants to play dress up with their clothes. I mean, it doesn't hurt me. Any. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. And does it like fully pay for the travel or do you have extra cash flow after? Yeah, no, it, we have extra credit. We, we use it to pay off uh, a lot of expenses that end up piling up in the summertime because we play a lot. So um, it's plenty extra. Uh, it's yeah. a, you know, a good Airbnb. Like we work really hard to make it really special and to put our hearts into the brand of, of what we're doing, of, of letting people use our toys, letting people use our kayaks and our stand-up boards and all of our stuff, which makes it so that the guests don't have to borrow that go rent that stuff, wait in line, return it, sign forms and all the lugging. They don't have to do any of that. They just show up and play and everything's just there as if you're a Ben local, you have yeah. all the same ways a Ben local would have. So then they'll pay a premium for that because it saves them time. So we kind of found a niche uh, and also having a lot of baby toys and kid toys and different size bikes and holders for bikes and burly trailers and you know, stuff, beach toys and all those things that a parent would have to take on a plane with them or take in their car. Or now they just come and they don't have to take any of that. They're not bring a port of crib. They're not to bring anything. 
That's amazing. Oh, I think you've just inspired a lot of people. I love how you said you have a different relationship with your things because, um, you know, it's funny. Someone will go to a hotel where lots of people sleep in that bed. You know, it's just a matter of changing the sheets, but they don't want anyone sleeping in their bed. Yeah. It is interesting when I tell people how they do that. And most, most people's reaction is the same. They're like, I couldn't do that. <laughs> come into my house and then yeah, yeah really so, really fascinating all right well what's next for you uh right now we're just creating this movement with pie with purpose and expenses and and trying to scale it up with bigger clients you know we now have six clients you are first thank you and rich and your team for being so gracious and and now we have um a handful of other clients and they're all kind of smaller you know between 20 employees 30 employees so now we're looking for you know 200 employees 300 employees that want to be part of a movement that can redirect resources to charitable causes by just simply using our expenses. So telling that story, getting out there, um, you know, make, letting people aware that there's a new way to look at how to make impact with our businesses. Love it. And how can people yeah. find out more about it? Uh, they can find out about purpose and expenses just by putting in purpose in expenses.com. And there's a little two minute video that's in there. They can watch the video and they can set up a meeting to meet with us. And we do a free, free analysis and tell them what their, what their current expenses could end up meaning in the way of a recurring donation to the charities that they love and how that can help with their kind of com company morale and, 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 and company culture and employee engagement and things like that. So that's how that people can find me. And, and they're saving money too, right? You help, you help them cut their costs while also creating donations. Definitely. Definitely. You know, we, 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 we did nine times out of 10, we're going to be the same or less, um, never more, you know, we're never, never more. Uh, but, but generally as you've, you guys experienced, we usually said save people thousands of dollars while also creating thousands of dollars in recurring donations. So it's, it's almost too good to be true for some people. That's probably our biggest objection. Now they're like, what's the catch? I don't get it. You know, <laughs> over that objection. That's the first time I've had that objection in any of my businesses before. But, I guess it's your negotiation skills with the companies. That's <laughs> that you're uh, the intermediary for. All right, Jamie. Well, it's really been a pleasure to have you on the real wealth show. You really exemplify living real wealth and always have. Oh, thank you so much. It's good to see you again and uh, look forward to many more awesome times together. Yes. And thank you for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show. Go to realwealthshow.com to get more information on how to create passive income through real estate. Again, that's realwealthshow.com. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to realwealthshow.com.